I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do. I'm going to preach holding this mic. Amen. And uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break from uh, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks to talk about something that I pray will be an encouragement and also a challenge to all of us in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. And then when you get there, if you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the, in the seat back for you. You can make use of one. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Look with me at verse number 1. Verse number 1 in following in the precious Word of God, the Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That's quite a list, isn't it? We're only getting started. Keep reading. Verse number 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou, he's talking to Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, Look what Paul says, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, amen? And then notice what he says in verse number 12. He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says these words in verse 16 and 17. He says, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God, if you please, may be perfect. Truly or completely furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had to sing. We thank you for the time that we've had to pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing severe forms of persecution. Lord, I pray now that you will speak to our hearts and that you will teach us from your word. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, today we've taken time to pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world who are continually facing and bombarded with hatred 
Literally, you think about it, people are being enslaved, they're being beaten, tortured in every way imaginable, uh, being raped, abused. By the way, boys and men are being raped as well, being raped and abused and uh, even killed for the one simple fact, it's their faith in Jesus Christ. And over the past couple weeks, we've been looking at Scripture to really to see and discover why, why we should uh, be and why we should exercise gratitude. And last week I actually stated how incredibly blessed we are in this country, and yet statistics reveal that although we're incredibly blessed, statistics reveal that uh, many still struggle to be happy or to even be grateful for God's blessings. But as I was preparing this week, I started to wonder, how would we fare? We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about uh, in everything give thanks and the good times and the bad times and the times in between. How would we fare, though, I put in my notes, if you and I were to face some of the most extreme forms of persecution? Yes, we continue to see. By the way, we are seeing an, an all-out assault on religious liberties in this country. If you're not aware of it, it is taking place. There's an assault taking place. And, uh, but to be honest, we've not yet experienced persecution like it is being experienced in places such as North Korea, Burkina Faso, put down here Nigeria, Mindanao. For those of you who don't make it uh, up, uh, out on Wednesday nights, we have a missionary that we just took on just the last month that he and his family are going to Mindanao. That's in the Philippines. And they are extremely, extremely against Christians. And so we now have a partner that is headed to Mindanao to tell people about Jesus. Think about places like Mali and Djibouti. If you paid attention, Djibouti is in the news right now. Also is Ethiopia. Yesterday I read how our missionaries in Ethiopia are now having to consider fleeing for their lives as things are taking place in Ethiopia even today. And these are just to name a few. Indeed, here in this country, we have seen business owners, you've, if you've paid attention to the news, you've seen business owners being fined or sued for not wanting to participate or offer their services uh, in, for things or practices that run counter to their faith or religious practices. Uh, we've seen uh, government officials actually face jail time for not issuing marriage licenses for same-sex couples. We've seen others lose their job and businesses for taking a stand for Christ. By the way, we have a number of our people who are facing the loss of their job, loss of their livelihood uh, over uh, vaccines in this country. That's not just uh, here in Northern Virginia. That's all across the country. In fact, I was down in Richmond yesterday, and uh, Ron was telling me about his youngest son who's out on the West Coast in Washington, works for the VA, getting ready to lose his job. Seven-month-old baby, he and his wife. And so we look at these things and we say, what is going on? But the reality is, overall, we have not faced persecution to the extent others have. But this is still going on. And it doesn't mean just because our persecution is, seems to be less and theirs seems to be greater, it doesn't mean that you and I, just because we live in the United States of America, that we will be freed from this idea of persecution. In fact, look back at verse number 12 of our opening text this morning. And verse number 12 actually speaks to the title of my message. And verse number 12 literally guarantees our persecution. It says, And yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, period. End of story. The point is that if you and I as believers of Jesus Christ, if we are living godly, 
been just as vivid and just as real as other promises from Scripture. The promise, I think about the promise from Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, that uh, for those who are in Christ will have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we believe that verse, then we have to believe this verse. All that live godly shall suffer persecution. That's a happy good news message today, wouldn't you think? You're like, wow, thank you. I came in out of the, uh, the cooler temperatures this morning, and you're reminding me of what? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, young person. In school or in work or other places, you will face some form of persecution. It's just inevitable. In fact, Jesus actually declared this persecution over and over. Think about when before his, uh, his arrest, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension. I think about how he was spending time with his uh, closest followers. And in John chapter 15, notice what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, if the world hate you, this is a fun fact. He says, if the world hate you, then you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse number 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. By the way, that's still true today. If you know nothing, say nothing, or stand for nothing, you're going to be loved by the world. But when you stand up for Jesus, I got news for you, the world's not going to like you very much. When you say that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be branded as a fanatic. But you know what? That's okay. I'm headed for heaven and the world can't take it away. All right? He says here in verse 19, If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you go on a few verses later to the beginning of chapter 16, in verse number 2 and 3, Jesus warns them by saying these words. He says, Then shall, you put, then shall they put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time is coming that whatsoever that whosoever kills you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things they will do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. The reason people persecute believers is because they don't know Jesus. End of story. And the reality is scripture says to all who live godly, congratulations, you will suffer persecution. Contextually, I understand that Jesus was talking to his original disciples. Like, I can hear somebody now, Pastor Greg, you know, you read John 15 and John 16. Jesus is actually talking to his original disciples, the originals. But you know what? I believe that uh, when we compare Scripture and, and compare Scripture with Scripture, we are well served to understand that when I look at this passage and I compare it with what 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verse 12 says, that we are understanding that we will face persecution. As I said, it doesn't mean that our suffering will be to the same degree as those in the world. We will, may not suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually to the extent that our brothers and sisters in more difficult scenarios will suffer, but the reality is that we will suffer persecution as we submit, as we walk in obedience to God's word, according to God's way, and according to God's will. We will suffer persecution. By the way, I don't know if you've met him or not, but the devil is real. Do you, do you know the devil's real? He will try. He will use every trick in his bag to keep you from living godly. That's the first goal. He wants to distract you. He wants to destroy. He wants to deceive you. And he wants to keep us from living godly lives. And he will try everything in his bag of trips to do that. But we can be encouraged today. Because I put in my notes, you know what? 
One thing I know from Scripture is the devil is no match for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? He's no match for Jesus. Now, let me just remind you, you're no match for the devil. But in Jesus' name, we can be more than conquerors, right? We can go out in the power of Jesus and face those attacks of the enemy. In fact, 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 4 tells us, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. In Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things. All things, whatever God has for me, whatever God's going to give me to do, I can do them all, watch what he says, through Christ, which strengthens me. Ephesians chapter 6, I was talking with Ron yesterday and we were reminded of Ephesians chapter 6 in which the verse, verse number 10 tells us that we can be strong. You need to get some strength today? I got, I got some news where you can get it. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You say, man, my strength is fading. Get energized. Plug in to, you, you want a plug-in station? I know our government's getting ready to put electric car plug-in stations everywhere. You want to plug into something, plug into Jesus and get some strength from Jesus. Amen? Oh, listen, we can be guaranteed that persecution's coming, but I can also guarantee you that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Earlier, look on the other page here, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Earlier in Paul's second letter to Timothy, if you look at chapter 2 and verse number 3, Paul tells Timothy, he says, hey, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he says, don't get cut up in the uh, affairs of this world. In verse number 4, that's basically what he's saying. He says, quit worrying about the affairs of this world, but be focused on pleasing the one that has called you into service. You know, when I joined the Marine Corps, I realized that there was a, a commandant of the Marine Corps. And whether I liked it or I lumped it, it didn't matter. The commandant of the Marine Corps made the rules based on what the president at that time told him to do. Can I tell you something? When Jesus, in your life and in my life, when Jesus is high and lifted up, when Jesus is our commander-in-chief, when Jesus is our all in all, I got news for you, we're going to be more than equipped, we're going to be more than ready to deal with any kind of hardship, any kind of affliction, and any kind of trouble that will come our way. And you ask the question, how can I hear stories of Christians who are facing persecutions, living in dungeons, living in places, being tormented, being beaten, being left for dead? How can you hear these stories and not be impacted? But how do you hear these stories and maybe you wonder, how do they do it? They do it because they're strengthened. Oh, they're strengthened by the Lord Jesus Christ and His power. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. It's on page 705. Page 705. Acts chapter 4, page 705. And as you're turning, let me get you caught up to speed with what's going on. At the beginning of Acts chapter 3, if you don't know this passage, Peter and John have made their way to the temple for prayer. And as they make their way, there's a 40-plus-year-old man laying there at the entry of the temple. They've laid him there, and this guy is known for one thing and one thing only, that he begs for money. As people go into the temple all the time, he lays there and he, he begs. And it says he's a lame man. It just means he's unable to walk all the way from birth. And so he lays there and he begs money. And as the, uh, Peter and John go into the, the house or the temple to pray, uh, they, they beg alms of them. And in verse number 6 of chapter 3, here's what Peter says. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, the reality is that when Peter says these words to the man, neither Peter, neither John, or even the lame man know or understand. They have no clue what the response or the persecution that's going to follow because of that statement. 
and because of what takes place next. And if you go look at verse number 7, actually, of chapter 3, it tells us how immediately the man's feet and ankle bones, they actually received strength. And verse 8 says, And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, here's the deal. This guy has not walked his whole life. He asked for some money. Peter says, hey, I ain't got no money, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand, Nazareth, stand up and walk. Can you imagine? This guy's never put any pressure on his feet. Guys, do, do you see the miracle what's taking place here? A lot of stuff is having to take place like that. For this man to be able to stand up in his ankle bones to be strengthened. Now he's not only got, now he's not only got strength, he can stand. But I don't know, I think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah stands... But right now, he's trying to convince himself that this needs to go here and this needs to go here, right? And so he stands, and when he goes here, then it comes tumbling down. This guy's never walked, and yet he gets up and he walks in, and the Bible says he actually gets a little Pentecostal. Shh. He starts leaping in the temple. His life's changed. He goes in. Not only is he walking and leaping, the Bible says that he is praising who? He is praising God. Reminder, don't ever forget to praise God day in and day out. David, keep praising God. Keep praising God today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day after that. Keep praising God. Mrs. Rutledge, it's good to see you. Praise God. Just keep praising God in your life. Praise the Lord. Oh, listen, that's what we have to do. Look at verse number 9. The Bible says all the people saw him. So here's the reality. All the people who recognize this guy, he's been laying at the temple forever and a day. They actually see him, but they're kind of confused. They're, they don't believe what they're seeing. And the Bible says afterwards that the people are so filled with wonder and amazement that they actually gather at Solomon's porch. They gather around Peter and John, and now the healed man is there. And so they gather around, and it's almost like, what are these guys going to say? What, let's, let's hear what they have to say. And so being submitted to Jesus Christ, excuse me, Peter actually does what we ought to do. He uses that opportunity to point people to Jesus. Instead of giving the man some, some kind of glory or some kind of happy time because he's up and he's walking around, he uses the time to point people to Jesus. And he talks about the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ and things get going haywire. And, but here's the reality. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible indicates that many people, and there's about 5,000 plus people there, and many in my book means there were thousands of them that trusted Christ. They actually believe and they trust, they put their faith in Christ. But just like it happens still today, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> Have you ever done something you thought you were doing a good deed for somebody? You thought you're loving on somebody. You're trying to tell somebody about Jesus. You're trying to correct somebody according to God's word. And they just don't want to hear it. You ever had that happen in your life? I have. Tell people what Jesus says and sometimes they look at you crossways. Do you know what? This is what takes place in this situation. Listen, no, no good deed goes unpunished. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 4. Because verse number 1 tells us how the religiously sad people, that's what I refer to the Sadducees. In fact, I had a professor, you know, when the first time I heard him read sad, Sadducees, he said, he said, they were sad, you see. The religiously sad people, 
they get upset. Look at verse number one. They, they come upon, they come upon Peter and John physically. Verse three says that they lay hands on them and they put them in the hold. But for you and I this morning, here's what we need to realize. If you're a note taker, just realize this. Number one, when we serve the Lord, when we endeavor to live godly, sometimes trouble ensues. When you start telling people about Jesus, when the truth of God's word goes out, opposition has a way of finding you. You're telling your coworker, man, it was a great week, man. We prayed for the persecuted Christians, man. Uh, pastor's talking about he's got a big announcement next Sunday. I don't know. Is he going to retire? Is he going to resign? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. What's he going to do next Sunday? Uh, he's talking about some big old announcement. And, and then you're telling somebody that at the coffee machine, and they're like, yeah, 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 I don't want to hear about Jesus. Man, can I tell you how Jesus saved my life? No, I don't want to hear about Jesus. See, sometimes when we start sharing the truth of God's word, opposition will come our way. And the case in point, look at verse number two of our passage. It says that the religiously sad people, or these religious leaders, if you please, they're upset. The, the King James word says they're grieved. They're actually grieved because Peter and John are teaching and preaching to people about Jesus. And so here's a reminder for me. As you and I seek to go out these doors, as we seek to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, I got news for you. Opposition will come your way at some point. I remember being over in Centerville years ago, going door to door, handing out flyers for a, for a choir musical. And I remember I opened up the, the gentleman opened up the door, and I had gotten permission to be in there in his new neighborhood. And it was one of those townhouses that has about 30 steps up to the front door. And I was like, I was already winded by the time I got to the top of the steps. And I knocked on the door and uh, invited the gentleman to, uh, to the choir musical. And I was, you know, my bubbly, effervescent self. I was like, hey, <laughs> praise the Lord. Hey, good to see you, brother. And, and uh, you, you know what I got? The foot. Get out of here. Get back. I said, whoa, what's going on here? I'd never had anybody try to kick me for inviting them to a musical. And this guy's trying to kick me. I said, so here's what I did. Probably not the smartest thing. But, you know, we all learn each and every day. I said, well, brother, I'm just going to keep you and your family in prayer. No, you don't keep my family in prayer. I'm going to come after you. The reality is I told that gentleman, I said, sir, if your foot touches me, we're going to have a different problem. I said, I may not be the biggest boy. I said, but if your foot touches me, we're going to have a different problem because I've asked for permission to be in this neighborhood. I said, I'm not here illegally. You don't have a sign that says no soliciting. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to invite you for a free show. And I said, if you kick me, we're going to have a different problem. Well, needless to say, I don't think he ever came to the musical. The reality, though, folks, is it doesn't matter you can be inviting someone to church. You can be just being as loving as you think you can be. And their opposition sometimes will come out of the woodwork and find you. Oh, listen, many times the opposition and persecution that you and I face will be clothed in flesh. But we have to remind ourselves we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickednesses in high places. And so we have to understand that any ultimate hostility that comes toward us or God or his word actually comes from the devil himself. Amen? And so 
Don't get carried away fighting this person or that person or worrying what this person has said or what that person has said. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Think about it. Today we prayed for people who are actually persecuting Christians all around the world. We can do the same in our lives. The next day, look at verse number 7. The next day what we see is Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the entire family of Annas. They come together and notice what verse 7 says. At the end of the verse it says, By what power or by what name have you done this? So before we move on, I just want to remind you, just a few weeks earlier, you got Caiaphas and Annas the high priest and all these jokers that have gathered together. You know who they crucified a few weeks earlier? His name was Jesus. So this is the real deal. We're in Jerusalem here. This is the real deal. Remember, the disciples have not gotten out of Jerusalem yet. Stephen has not given his life yet. And so the gospel has only stayed there in Jerusalem. And so now notice what Peter's response is. In verse number 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it made known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. Now, did he have to add that in there? I don't know, but he did. By the name of Jesus, you remember the guy that you guys just crucified? Is what he says. He says, whom God raised from the dead. He adds a little salt to their wound. Remember, they had put guards. They didn't, want, they, they didn't want this word of Jesus rising from the dead to spread. And they had tried to keep it quiet. No, he says, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, amen? For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't know about you, but in the face of persecution, is that the answer you're going to give? This is the answer they gave. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is right there in verse number 8. Did you catch the key? Did you catch the key in verse number 8? It says, Peter. It says, Peter. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. The truth is that persecution, just like I've told you this morning, persecution is guaranteed, period. That's why the title is guaranteed, period. For all those who live godly in Christ, persecution is guaranteed. Persecution was guaranteed in the life of Peter and John. And that's the reality of it. Because they were trusting God, they were living for God. And the same thing takes place in our lives. But folks, I can tell you that Peter in this situation, he didn't try and take care of the situation by himself. He didn't try to, quote, fix it. Have you ever tried to fix situation in your own power and in your own strength and in your own wisdom? Only to be let down, only to have failure. That's why we have to walk in the spirit. That's why we have to make use of God's word. He relied on God. He relied on God's word and he relied on God's strength. In fact, in the text that I read to you at the beginning, verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 remind us that God's word is not only true and not only is it is it authoritative and good for doctrine and reproof and correction and all these things, but it's useful. We can actually take God's word and put it to use in our lives. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 reassures us by saying that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? Are you glad for the powerful word of God? 
By the way, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nobody in this room, nobody online has ever been saved apart from the word of God. We ought to be pretty thankful for the powerful word of God. Isaiah 55 and verse 11 tells us that God's word actually accomplishes. It actually accomplishes whatever he pleases and it prospers wherever he sends it. And not only does God's mercy endure forever, but 1 Peter 1 and verse 25 declares that the word of the Lord endures forever. Oh, I'm thankful that God's word endures no matter what we have to face. I was reading in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, on Friday, and that verse in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 3, the Bible says this. It says, the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's pretty powerful. (laughs) That's pretty powerful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1-1, created the heavens and the earth. How? By the Word of His mouth. Oh, that's some powerful stuff. And I don't know about you, but I think I can rely on God's Word, and that's why it's so incredibly important for us to not only know God's Word, but it's also important for us to hide God's Word in our heart. Because here's the reality. If persecution should come our way like it's taking place in other parts of the world, I got news for you. They're not letting them keep the word of God. That's why it's so important for us to hide God's word in our heart while we have it. Nobody has guaranteed us to be able to hang on to the written word of God for all of our lives. And so we have to be prepared for whatever will come our way. Oh, listen, this is how they do it. They hide God's word in their heart. And so in this scenario, look back at Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they actually celebrate the good while dealing boldly with the bad. They, they go before this, this gathering and they say, hey, it's in the name of Jesus. It's the one you crucified, the same guy that God raised from the dead. That's how this man is standing here whole. So they celebrate the good while dealing boldly with the bad. And you say, well, what was so good? Well, first of all, a lame man got healed. Secondly, there was about 5,000 people, and the Bible says many of those 5,000 actually believed and came to faith in Christ Jesus. What was bad? They were being persecuted. They were being persecuted. Number two. When we serve the Lord and endeavor to live godly, I should say lastly, when we serve the Lord and endeavor to live godly, troubles are usually accompanied by tests. Have you ever been put to the test? Have you ever been put through the fire? I know some of you in this room have been put to the fire physically. Some of you have been put to the fire emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Some of you are still going through the fire. But tests usually come when troubles come our way. And so what do we do? We have two choices, two options. They're really pleasant. We either compromise or we take courage and live. We either compromise or we exercise some good old-fashioned courage. Look at verse 13 and 14 of Acts chapter 4. Because after hearing and seeing the boldness of Peter and John, here's what 13 says. It says that they perceived, talking about Peter and John, that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Stop here just for a second. (laughs) That's good news. That's good news. You see, what they perceived was they were not exercising their smarts or their ability. What they realized is these are some people who have been radically changed by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And look look at what it says. It says, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men 
And notice it says they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They said, these guys must have been with Jesus. Because they sound like Jesus. They're acting like Jesus. And to be honest with you, their lives look a little bit like Jesus. Let me ask a question. What does the world see when they look at us? Do they perceive, hey, listen, it's okay. You know what? I'm okay. You want to call me ignorant. You want to call me unlearned. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. But as long as you see Jesus living inside of me, I'm okay with it. I, I mean, there's a lot of smart people in this world. And there's a lot of smart people who don't look a lot like Jesus right? Smarts is one thing. Being like Jesus is another. Be careful you don't get the two confused. In fact, I think Colby preached a message on that this past year. Look what it says, verse 14. It says, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say, they could say nothing against it. So these guys are like, what do we do? And so you know the rest of the story. In verse number 17, they come up with a plan. And the plan is they're going to threaten these guys, and they're going to say, stop talking about Jesus. And so if you read in verse number 18, it says they follow through with the plan. And so what do Peter and John do? Well, they have a choice. They can either compromise or they can live courageously. See, if they compromise, they can listen to what man has to say and be at odds with God, or they can live courageously and be doing what God wants them to do and be at odds with man. And the Bible says in verse number 19, notice, here's their decision. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and the things which we have heard. We know that you put Jesus to the cross. We don't care what you do to us. We're going to live courageously, and we can't help it. Oh, that's persecution. That's standing up and living courageously in the face of persecution. By the way, this is right out of the gate. This is right out of the gate. This is Acts chapter 4. You know, the early church, they got together, and they had all things in common, and this is really the first time that they go out, and they're at the temple, and and they start stirring the pot, so, so to speak. So this is right out of the gate that this takes place. It was kind of appropriate, and I don't know if he had an insight on my notes or not, But the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose courage when they refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. The Old Testament, I shared it briefly a couple weeks ago, how Daniel, he chose courage by continuing to live godly in Babylon when they told him not to pray to anybody except for King Darius. He said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually open up my window so you jokers can see that I'm going to keep doing what I've always done and I'm going to keep praying to the God of Israel. I was reading a couple days ago in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we like to look at all of these Old Testament saints of faith. And we we read all of them by name. But when you get down to the end of chapter 11, the Bible talks about faithful saints of old who chose to live courageously while facing such things as, and 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 I share them with you, they faced cruel mockings. They faced scourgings. In other words, they were whipped for their faith. They were bound with chains. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. By the way, if you got stoned at that time, you basically died. But the Bible also says uh, they were sawn asunder. Now, that's, that's a King James word that literally means they were sawed in two because of their faith. They were tempted over and over to renounce their faith in Christ. The Bible says they were slain with the sword. In other words, multitudes lived godly, multitudes were persecuted, and multitudes ultimately died in faith, in faith despite, 
despite what they were facing. For them, compromise was never an option. What about us? What about us? Compromise was never an option for Peter and John. Compromise was not an option for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, and on and on. The Apostle Paul, it was not an option. Courageous living was the only choice that they could make in Christ Jesus. Look at, look at verse 21 and 22. And the Bible says, And when they had further threatened them, so they threatened them, Peter and John, they answer, and then here's what they do. They threaten them some more. They say, well, let's threaten them some more. It says, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. The people rose up. They're wanting to punish them, but the people, instead of hollering crucify them, they rose up at this point, evidently, and it says, for all men glorified God for which was done. So when Jesus was being tried... They hollered, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They said, give us Barabbas, give us that murderer. Crucify Jesus. But here we see Peter being of the Holy Spirit, being moved of the Holy Spirit of God, speaks boldly. At the end of the day, when they see the miracle, they hear the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, even though persecution came, the guy said, hey, we can't do anything because guess what? All the people will throw a fit because here's what's taking place. They're glorifying God. These people are actually glorifying God for what was done. Look at verse 22. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. This, by the way, was just one instance of persecution in the lives of Peter and John. A scenario that would play out over and over and over again in their lives. Ultimately, you may know this historically, that Peter was crucified upside down. He was crucified upside down at his own request. They were going to crucify him, and he requested to be put upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner that his Lord did. Turn me upside down. John, you may remember, his story says that they tried to dip this guy in a cauldron or a pot of boiling oil. And when he came out supernaturally unharmed, Later on, if you read history, it says that they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he died. I could go on and tell you of those who died a martyr's death over and over and over again. But today, as we remember our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted around the world, I just put this as I close. May we be strengthened. May we be resolved to trust God, to trust his word. Young person in school, may you be resolved to trust God in his word. Because the world will come up on you. And I pray that you'll trust God and that you won't trust all the other things of this world. But you'll say, you know what, as for me, I'm going to just keep on trusting God. Sir, ma'am, maybe you're struggling right now. May you trust, may you be resolved to trust God no matter what this world throws your way. I got news for you. Jesus is Lord. The government is not Lord. Pastor Greg is not Lord. The school is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And if we would get back to just trusting Jesus, I think we would all do ourselves a big old favor. May you be resolved. May you be strengthened in the power of Jesus and in His might. May you take that whole armor of God day in and day out and to stand for what's right and to shun what is wrong. 
May we be determined never, ever to compromise our faith and our beliefs, but to live courageously in an increasingly corrupt world. May you and I today endeavor to shine, to keep on shining as lights to a dark world. I think about the persecution that Paul faced. And at the end of his life, he's writing, this is a second letter, you know, to Timothy. And we read all of chapter 3. But as he gets into chapter 4, he tells Peter, he tells Timothy to be instant in season and out of season, to preach the word, reprove, rebuke, with all long suffering, and on and on. But when we get to verse number 6, and I'll close with these verses, here's what Paul said. He said, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Verse number 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. I put in my notes, Lord, help us all to do the very same thing. Would to God that we would be able to say at the end of our lives, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I finished the course that God has given me to live. I finished my course. And through it all, through the sickness, through the trials, through the temptations, through the persecutions of life, I have kept the faith. I didn't renounce my faith. I stood strong. When persecution came, I stood strong. When trouble came, I stood strong. When sickness came, I stood strong. May that be our answer at the end of it all. And I pray that each and every one of us would take this message to heart, that we would put it into practice as we remember, as we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters all around the world, that we too would continue to stand. And I look out here and I see some of you who are already in the midst of standing. And I'd point you out, but I know you'd be embarrassed. I know you'd be embarrassed if I called attention to you. But here's what I know, and you know it too. The Lord Jesus Christ sees you. He sees you. And he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Oh, yea, though we may walk through that valley of the shadow of death, we have nothing to fear because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I pray it comforts you too. Father, we thank you for your word today. Certainly we are guaranteed that persecutions will come. Oh, certainly when we try to advance your kingdom, trouble comes our way and Tests will be levied against us, but Lord, I pray that in these times when we face persecution, that we, like our brothers and sisters all around the world, that we would only have one option, and that's to live courageously. To live courageously, to stand for the things that are right, and to shun those things that are wrong. Lord, I know that one thing, that there's no way that we'll stand if we don't have a relationship with you through your son. And so if there's anybody in this room that has never trusted Christ, can I tell you, there's no way that you'll be able to stand when trouble comes your way. There's no way that you'll be able to stand unless you just call out upon the name of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God actually proved or commended his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, there's a payment, there's a wage for sin, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have never trusted Christ, and you say, brother, I'm, I'm facing all kind of stuff right now, can I tell you, you're no match for the world, you're no match for the devil, I would encourage you to trust Jesus right now. You say, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. I've never done that, I've never thought about that, I don't even know what that looks like. I can tell you this, it's about the desire of your heart that says, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner, but I also recognize that you are a savior. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I recognize you're a savior. And I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. That's what it's all about. For whosoever believes on the Lord Jesus shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you have a choice today. If you've never trusted Christ, I pray that that's your prayer, that you would trust Christ. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.